Yes, I know. You've all been asking me where the podcast is. Where's the podcast? Remember, we're doing this as often as we can. I would have liked to have done one yesterday, but unfortunately, time just did not permit. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, Please subscribe to the show. You can do so by going either to the iTunes App Store and search for NP Online, either on your iPhone or your iPad or the mobile device. In the alternative, you Android users can go to the Google Podcasts or Google Play Store and do the same. Search for NP Online and subscribe that way. In either place, the subscription is absolutely free. The benefit of the subscription is that you will be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded of the show. If for any reason you're having difficulty with either of those two things or you don't want to go that way, you can simply download the Podbean app from either place. And Podbean is the hosting service we use for the show, and you can subscribe that way, leave reviews, comments, etc. As always, we ask that you please write a review of the show, uh, because the more reviews we get, especially ones that are very positive, the more readily the show will show up in search results in either the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store, and more people will find it, and therefore more people will subscribe. Uh, Please also like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online, and follow us on Parler, the new alternative to Twitter for right-thinking individuals. Okay, so let's get right into it. A lot of people are asking, is it over? They keep asking me, is the election over? Is it done? Well, no, it's not over. And I've told you this before. Uh, We discussed in the last show of what a contemptible state of affairs we have at the United States Supreme Court in declining to even hear that case. I think Justice Alito was absolutely correct. It is not within their discretion to simply not hear a case that is uh, dealing with disputes between the states. It is simply not in their discretion. They are the only arbiter of those disputes. They must hear it. I'm not saying they had a find in favor of any particular way, a plaintiff or defendant, but they had to hear it. The fact that they didn't hear it is a a great stain on the legacy of the court, and I think it will come back to haunt them and will result in a substantial diminution in the respect people have for the court as an institution and for the individual justices who sit upon it. But all is not lost. Other things are taking place as we speak. The state of Wisconsin Supreme Court has said that absentee ballots have to abide by voter ID laws. It's unclear how that's going to shake out, but many, many ballots in Pennsylvania uh, may be thrown out. Um, so we're going to see that come to pass. We're, we're seeing that there's another hearing uh, by Amistad. They're doing a conference to show that Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg contributed $500 million of his own money to undermine the election. And Sidney Powell is still out there working assiduously on these things. She believes that every voting machine needs to be seized and forensically analyzed. And Sidney Powell is now making noises about that executive order I told you that President Trump had written back in September of 2018, uh, which gave him great power uh, in the event of foreign interference in an election. Now, as a result of the other shows we've done, 
you know, and I've told you, that Dominion Voting Systems was sold and there was a $400 million payment came from the Red Chinese in October, just prior to the election, uh, showing that they have a definite interest. Now, why foreign companies, are, uh, or why we are using, rather, uh, voting technology, software, or machines manufactured by foreign companies when we have more than enough American companies to do this is quite beyond me. So she talks about this, intel- this order in September of 2018. Trump signed an executive order that says not later than 45 days after the conclusion of a United States election, the director of national intelligence in consultation with the heads of any other appropriate executive departments and agencies shall conduct an assessment of any information indicating that a foreign government or any person acting as an agent of or on behalf of a foreign government has acted with the intent or purpose of interfering in that election. Now. Trump didn't try and hide this executive order, and strangely enough, there wasn't a lot of yelling or whooping or hollering from the mainstream media. It largely went uncovered at the time he wrote this in September of 2018. Now, Powell told the Epic Times that she believes that in the current situation, the executive order could give Trump all kinds of power to do everything from seize assets to freeze things, demand the impoundment of the machines. Now, that is actually listed in that order, and you can go to see it. If you don't believe me, simply go to whitehouse.gov and search on the site for executive orders and scroll down till you come to the executive orders that were written in September of 2018, and you will come to that order, and you can read it um, right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Under the emergency powers, he could even appoint a special prosecutor to look into this, which is exactly what needs to happen. Every machine, every voting machine in the country should be impounded right now. There's frankly more than enough criminal probable cause to justify that for anybody who's willing to address the law and the facts purely on the basis of truth and not politics or corporate greed or global wealth. Now, goes on to say that for the past month, some, including Arizona Maricopa County GOP Chairwoman Linda Brickman, as well as Powell, have alleged that Dominion Voting Systems uh, machines allowed for votes to be switched back and forth. Dominion saying it's not possible, but yet an, an audit in Antrim County, Michigan, of 22 machines proved just that, that votes were changed and there was a lot of error there. So now you see what was so important. It wasn't just a, a Hail Mary or it wasn't just a... Uh, kicking and screaming temper tantrum, why a lot of these state legislatures, Arizona, Pennsylvania, sent their own slate of electors, in addition to the electors that were officially sent, uh, to cast votes for Trump. Because that means that this thing is still alive. So if Trump decides to exercise his authority under that executive order, he could have the military go in and seize all of those machines right now He could appoint a special prosecutor himself, and that special prosecutor could look into this, and he could make a determination. Because it's clear you're going to get no determination from the Justice Department or from the FBI. They're part of the deep state, and more on that in due course, for anyone who thinks that there isn't such a thing as a deep state. So this could very well happen within the next couple of of weeks. Uh, Trump is clearly not giving up. And if it wasn't a real possibility that he could do this, I don't know what else he could expect to achieve since the Supreme Court has declined to hear it. And he's not getting a definitive answer from many of these Supreme Courts in these states because 
These Supreme Courts in the individual states, although they're the highest court in the states, they're far more partisan even than the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, a lot more corruption has gotten uh, worked its way into that in terms of people just washing their hands. We're getting people who are very selective in the cases they want to hear, not the cases that they're mandated to hear. But Powell is hot on this. I'm trying to see if I got, uh, no, it doesn't mention the order number here, but you can find the order if you go in and look, as I said. Now, just yesterday again, uh, she reiterated that this, um, that this executive order should be invoked by President Trump right now and make sure that all of these things are done. A Michigan judge on December 14th, with the same date the electors met, this was the judge that allowed the voting machines in Antrim County to be seized. He allowed the parties to release the results of the forensic imaging examination of Dominion with redactions of the code to pr protect any proprietary information that they had. And the 23-page report was published soon after by Allied Security Operations Group. In a December 15th statement, Dominion refuted the report's findings, saying there were no software glitches that switch votes. And they're saying that the errors that were identified were isolated human errors not involving Dominion. That's not true. On machine fraud, Powell said the alleged illegal activity included everything from injecting massive quantities of votes into the system that they just, just made up to running counterfeit ballots through multiple times in multiple batches to create the appearance of votes that weren't really there. Now, Dominion is, of course, going to deny this. And, of course, what they don't tell you is that when the Dominion executive testified before the Michigan State House, he didn't do it in the building. He was, did it from a remote location where he couldn't feel the heat of in-person testimony. And God knows where he was. He may not even been in this country. They've already packed up a lot of their offices and boogied. Uh, they're going to say that they, it was no fraud, that it was all human error. But um, the fact of the matter is, those machines are capable of being connected to the Internet. No voting machine, in my opinion, should be capable of being connected to the Internet. Uh, because once it is, it's as vulnerable as any other uh, piece of software or computer hardware that you connect to an Internet. Every time you sign on with your laptop, it's vulnerable. You can have um, spyware software to protect you. You can have anti-malware um, software to protect you. You can have firewalls. Governments that specialize in developing things that are able to get into your computer are not dissuaded by things like that. That's child's play for them. The government of the United States has firewalls far in excess of anything that you'd ever find on your laptop, and yet they're hacked on occasion. So what makes you think a voting machine is any safer? So there's a lot going on right here, a lot. Now, the only person in the federal government who seems to be very concerned about what's going on is Senator Ron Johnson, who is uh, very intensely conducting hearings in Washington with his committee as to why things should be done. He said that there were, in, the, in his opening statement, that the most difficult allegations to assess involve vulnerabilities in voting machines and software used. In order to effectively determine the extent to which voting machines were subject to nefarious intrusion or other vulnerabilities, computer science experts must be given the opportunity to examine these allegations. I've been saying that all along. You know, whenever they say there's no evidence, there's no evidence, 
it's almost as if, and we've discussed this, that they're looking to see a picture of a man with a smoking gun standing over a dead body or the computer equivalent of that. But in order for what the mainstream media and the Biden campaign, the Democrats want you to believe happened to have happened, as I've said before, the laws of mathematics would have to be suspended and 2 plus 2 would have to be able to equal 10. And since 2 plus 2 can't equal 10, there's no way for what they say happened to have happened, absent fraud, and fraud on a massive scale. Rush Limbaugh, one of his shows last week, made a very interesting observation, you know, and he made a sports analogy. You have the World Series. You have the Super Bowl. Involves, involves the two best teams in those respective sports fighting for the championship just to get to either of those two tournaments or games in the case of the Super Bowl is a great honor. It means you're one of the two best teams in the sport. After the game, there's a winner and there's a loser. The winners are greeted by throngs of people at the airport when they fly back into their respective cities. Not many people are there to beat the losers. Let's juxtapose that to this election. Donald Trump, they want you to believe, is the loser. He shows up in Georgia to campaign for the two senators who are uh, in a runoff election for the empty seat, empty seats, excuse me, and 50,000 people greet him. And he's the loser, according to them. Yesterday, Joe Biden was in Georgia to campaign on behalf of that lunatic, Warnock. There were 15 people there, and he's the winner. And they want you to believe that 80 million people voted for this guy. More people than voted for Hillary Clinton, more people than who voted for Barack Obama, uh, the first black president, more people than have voted for any other president in the history of this country, except for Donald Trump, who received 73 million votes, an 11 million vote increase over his performance in 2016, and Joe Biden, who could never get past the primary process, never was able to get a nomination, and never left his basement, he got 80 million people. And he did it because 2 plus 2 equals 10. If you don't believe there's fraud when you have an affidavit sworn by a thousand people under the penalty of perjury, when you have videotape evidence of people pulling votes out of suitcases in the state of Georgia after they've chased everybody out of the building on a fraudulent claim that there was a water pipe broken, which didn't affect anything anyway, it was an overflowing toilet, they never called a plumber for it, so it couldn't have been that big a deal. When you have audio evidence of one of the men in the county talking about how they knew they were going to stop at 11 o'clock, when you have six states all stopping counting at 11 p.m. exactly the same time after virtually exactly the same percentage of the vote being counted, this is the equivalent of, this, of six different people. Actually, no. It's the equivalent of the same person playing the same numbers in six different state lottery systems where the same number miraculously comes up in the drawing in all six separate state systems, and this guy wins. It can't happen. It can't happen, and it didn't happen. It was manufactured. They have algorithms. They pre-programmed, yes. They expected that Trump would have a big lead, so they programmed the system to game the system to give a victory to Biden. But Trump had such massive support, they never expected he would increase his his overall vote total by 11 million, 
that the algorithm they probed in was insufficient to offset what showed up that day at the polls. So they had to stop counting before they got too deep into the count where there wasn't enough votes left ostensibly to allow them to change it. So they stopped counting and they started manufacturing ballots, which is why none of the down ballot races were affected because these ballots didn't have any down ballots checked off. They were only for the presidential race. They were only for Biden. So there is more than ample evidence of fraud. And with this forensic analysis in the state of Michigan, we know there was fraud. But why? Why are people on the Republican side so reluctant to engage in this? We're going to address that in short order. But before we do, I want to address one other little topic. This thing with Hunter Biden. This thing with Hunter Biden that, even with the fraud, I don't think they could have overcome if it was adequately covered. We have Joe Biden saying how proud he is of his son, and he's confident that everything will work out, that he did nothing wrong. I don't know how much any of you know about Joe Biden's son. His other son, who perished of cancer, served in the military, apparently was a stand-up sort of fellow, but this other son, Hunter, is everything his other brother wasn't. He was thrown out of the military for being a cocaine addict. He then proceeded to have an affair and sleep with his dead brother's widow while he was married to his own wife, to whom he subsequently divorced. Then he had an affair with a stripper, got her pregnant, disavowed the child, and had to be compelled by a court to pay child support after a paternity test proved he was the father. He's done work that he is in no way qualified to do for the communist Chinese and other questionable private firms for which he has paid exorbitant sums of money, a substantial portion of which is kicked back to his father, Joe Biden, which explains how a man who never had a real job and has worked only in government for 47 years has been able to afford and maintain four lakefront mansions. Now, Donald Trump has a lot of fancy property. Yeah, he's got Mar-a-Lago and a host of other things. But Trump was a billionaire before he became president. He didn't become a billionaire as a result of being president. He didn't use his office to enrich himself. In fact, the man doesn't even take the salary. He donates it. Donates it back to the veterans. And this is the son that Joe Biden is proud of. If I had a son like that, I'd have an opinion of him, but I wouldn't be proud of him. But I can see why Joe's proud of him, because he's able to use his government positions to send his son out to make money that he doesn't deserve so he can kick it back to him. So that's why he's proud of him. But he's not someone to be proud of. In no way, shape, or form is he anyone to be proud of. Now, getting back to these Republicans who don't want to do the right thing, who don't want to defend their country, why is it that they don't want to do it? Very simple. These type of people have existed in our government for a long time. They've existed in our history for a long time. In the current day, in this current crisis, these are the people who take the position Trump should concede or quote, as one man put it, there comes a point where you, you have to let go and move on. 
These are appeasers. They have been present throughout history, and their voices have been heard in every significant conflict. They are the ones in England. I was thinking about this the other night. I was re-watching that great movie, The Darkest Hour, about Churchill. They were the privileged, the wealthy, the people in society. They're almost always motivated by self-interest, usually to the detriment of the masses. They are people of position who are more concerned about what they stand to lose as a result of any conflict than they are about the destruction of their own country and the livelihoods of the common man or woman. That was the case. That was the case in England back in World War II. Everyone looking to make a deal with Hitler so they could keep their little mansions and keep whatever position they had in society. But you and I are not <clears throat> those type of people. We're common people. We're the common man or woman. And that's not an ugly word. It's not an ugly or disparaging term. The common man or woman, like us, are not generally possessed of great material wealth. And therefore, our decisions in the face of conflicts or crises like we're in right now are governed less by an interest in the preservation of our wealth since we don't have very much to begin with. People like us are governed by the preservation of what we do have. And what we do have is our individual liberty. And we don't feel that our liberty should be subordinated to the financial interests of the ruling class. And therein lies the problem we face, ladies and gentlemen, right now. The problem with American society today, the wealthy exert a disproportionate influence on our public discourse, and they always have. And our politicians, rather than defend the interests of the people they ostensibly were elected to represent, have increasingly used their positions to enrich themselves. See, I don't mind people like Donald Trump and other millionaires who get involved in politics and want to help people, because I know they're not doing it to become rich. They're already rich. But when we have people who come into government positions poor and walk out millionaires, I'm concerned. I've become very concerned. These, piece, these people have increasingly used their positions to enrich themselves. And accordingly, those that should be providing solutions to our problems have themselves become part of the problem and members of the ruling class. Now, when you look at the problem in this light, it's easy to understand why our politicians are so unresponsive to the needs of the public. They have no interest in addressing any problem or interest, does not have the potential to negatively impact them. Thus, you have things like Obamacare, which was good for you. It wasn't good for them, but it was good for you. So I urge you all, turn a deaf ear to the apologists. Turn a deaf ear to the people who say Trump should call it a day and hang it up and move on, because he's not ready to move on, and neither should you be, because an election was stolen from you in plain sight by people who have only their own interests at heart and want to betray this country and are beholden to the Chinese. And if you need more evidence of that, look at this little snot nose from California, Eric Swalwell. He was the one yelling from the rooftops along with Adam Schiff about Donald Trump being an agent for the, Rus for the Russians. He'd go on every show. He always takes the Russian side, but then press him to give you a specific example. 
He'll never show you where Donald Trump took the Russian side. And all the while, he's sleeping with a Chinese spy. And that Chinese spy plucked him from obscurity when he was a little councilman someplace in some one-horse shithole town in California. And now they elevated him to a congressman. Then she has an intern installed on his staff, another Chinese spy. And he's saying, no, don't look at me. Look over there. Look at those Russians with, with Donald Trump. So he's hawking the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, the Russians. Meanwhile, he's bought, sold, lock, stock, and barrel by the Chinese. He's compromised. So what does Nancy Pelosi do, the other genius, who now is a millionaire as a result of being in Congress? She puts him on the Intel Committee, where he gets privileged information. And who do you think is getting that information? Not the Russians, the Chinese. So the people who are telling Donald Trump to give up, the people who are telling you, sit down, shut up, accept it, the same people who wouldn't accept Trump for four years after he won legitimately in 2016, these are the people who are beholden to the Chinese. This is the apologist Democratic Party. The people who wouldn't mind seeing the Communist China flag flying over the Capitol building or over the State House. This is not simply about an election. This is about the future of the United States. And I greatly fear that if we don't prevail, we're going to be on the brink of civil war. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be protests. I'm not saying there won't be violence if Trump succeeds in remaining president. In fact, there likely will be internal violence. There probably will be less violence if Biden remains president because people on our side are law-abiding. We don't take to the streets that way and, and just breed death and destruction and vandalism. People on the left will. But I'm not too concerned about them because if Trump is president, I'm sure he'll put it down in short order. What I am concerned about is the continued erosion of American sovereignty and military might under a man that's owned lock, stock, and barrel by the Chinese, Joe Biden. And you should be concerned about it too. But remember, I don't think Donald Trump is giving up. You shouldn't either. And just as Churchill was able to rally the British people because he knew they didn't want to, didn't want to be subjugated by Hitler, I think that a sufficient number of Americans don't want to be subjugated to the whims of the Democratic Party, to the whims of Democratic governors who are crippling their businesses, putting them out of business, with no more forethought than turning on and off a light switch. We're not done until we say we're done. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you.